Hi everybody, how's it going? My name is Davis Land, and this is the Right About Now Poetry Podcast. This is the week of March 1st, and this week we're going to be hearing from Susie LaFollette. This recording of Susie was actually made at Mike Check Poetry in Bryan, Texas. She's going to be featuring at Right About Now in Houston at Avant Garden uh, in the near future, so you'll definitely want to stay tuned and check that out. Susie is a firefighter living in Austin. Uh, she's been in slam poetry for quite some time now. She's toured with Andrea Gibson and was published in the Right Bloody anthology, We Will Be Shelter, Poems for Survival. So you know she's really good. But without further ado, let's jump right into it. Here is Susie LaFollette. Awesome. I'm so excited to be here, y'all. Uh, this is fantastic. This place is packed. You guys um, uh, just give me more hope in society in general. Did, did no one... The Oscars are happening right now, aren't they? And look at all these people here to listen to poetry and share poetry. It warms my heart, really, it does. Okay. Um, so I, I am a firefighter, I'm a career firefighter, and uh, I, I'm writing about it a lot. Uh, as I was putting this set together, I realized there's a lot of, um, I talk a lot about death in my work, and I really don't think, at one point I thought, oh, that's kind of, that's sad. I'm going to talk about death a lot, and that's sad. But really, I, it's a part of life, right? So, um, uh, it's like me sharing all these stories. I would really like to be a part of the conversation that death is very much a part of our life and that our society has really kind of hid it away from everybody for so long so that when we do come in contact with it, it's really traumatic. And um, unfortunately, that's not the way it always was. So, uh, and, and we've shifted towards this kind of, this is how we live in our society. So, um, I thought I'd stop writing about death after like I turned 17 and like graduated high school, you know, and like was writing all these poems about death even though I had no experience with it. But then I became a firefighter and now I'm so much closer to it on a regular basis. Um, so I, I end up writing more about the medical calls that we run. We do that more than anything anyway. Um, but anyway, there's, so there's a lot of, of death involved in that and, and the, uh, the poems that I'm reading right now are kind of still when it was really hard for me to, to see what I was seeing. And I was still kind of going through some of the trauma that happens when, when you encounter death on a regular basis. So, um, there's that. So then I decided to just try to be funny in between poems. So if you, if I'm not, you could just pretend like I'm funny with me and uh, I'll do another poem. Okay. Names are forgettable. Faces are irreplaceable and impeccable in my memory. I wish it didn't serve me so well. I'll never forget in the back of the ambulance a man having a heart attack so big the pain was slicing through him like a paper shredder. He locked his eyes with mine and stopped time. He locked his eyes with mine, his lifeline. The medics were pumping meds into the IV and asking for readings on the monitor. The driver was hitting turns and we're catching ourselves on the cabinet, spreading our legs wide, trying to keep balance. We are working, working. Then his eyes reached into my ribcage, asking for a heartbeat of my own. 
You're doing good, Joe. Just keep breathing, Joe. We'll be at the hospital soon. I coo. I never lie. You're going to be okay, Joe. You're going to see your family again, Joe. You know that brother of yours you haven't spoken to in 10 years? Well, tomorrow you will tell him that you love him. No, I never lie. I say what I can for him, for me, when truly I want to beg him to stop reaching inside of me. I've only been doing this for a short time, and I like to feel. I want to keep it that way. Help. We all want to help, but we all need to go back to the station and do it again the next morning and the next shift. So please don't, Joe. I think my name is Suzanne and I'm a firefighter and we're doing everything that we can, I say. I've seen worse. I've seen pools of blood, broken limbs, gunshot wounds to the head, blue babies, and many other nightmares. But there's nothing worse than a stranger's penetrating stare. His eyes frighten children, his mouth a stiff drink, his forehead a rainforest, his chin a mountain and an earthquake. Joe may be right around the corner from a long rest like he has never known. His wife may be right around the corner from a hard pain like she has never known. And I am right around the corner from my fire station. And I will go back sit down, make myself a cup of green tea. My crew will call me a fucking hippie. I'll tell a joke. What's the difference between a poet and a puppy? A puppy stops whining after six weeks. <laughs> Laugh. Try not to think. And when the tone goes off in 15 minutes, we will go to help someone else. Later, I will try not to think about them. This is a tough situation where feeling too much can keep me from moving and I want to keep moving. I'm hoping for that moment in my career that may or may not happen when I can look someone in the eye a month later and tell them that when their world fell apart that I was there. But mostly every family I see in agony just takes a little piece of me. As our world is crashing down, mine is just slowly crumbling. A face, a face, pale mocha, sunburned chocolate cheeks, rosy like sunshine teeth, bright white like a child's star, maybe a tooth turned sideways, refusing to conform to the norm of face. You may never have to do that. Never give chest compressions with your thumbs on a tiny chest or check the pulse of a young man who gave up, gave up like a 22 above his right ear, kind of gave up. Search for children in the backseat of a traffic accident who are nowhere to be found. You would do it. We do it. We do. The truth is there's a lot less saving than there is trying. Names are forgettable. Faces are irreplaceable and impeccable in my memory. I wish it didn't serve me so well. There's so much you can tell about someone from their eyes and skin, their nose and chin, the stretch of their mouths when they scream, the pain displayed in a face, in a face I don't know. I don't know you, stranger, just your name. When I see you again, I'll know. Joe, I'm not a hero, just a human trying to help. I was there when your world exploded into a white light of fear, and I did all that I could. So I'm working on a book right now, which is really exciting. I've been, well, I've been working on it for years. Let's not kid ourselves. And uh, um, 
this might be the title of the book. It's really hard for me. Uh, this, it's hard to decide a fucking title for a book of poems, um, but usually it's like it's kind of a simple cop out to just steal a title from one of the titles that's already in the po- in the book, you know, and make that. So this is called Becoming Ice. Might be the I don't know. What do you think? Do you like that as a book name, Becoming Ice? Yeah. I guess it would mean more if you like read the poems and then you knew. Um, I'm just gonna read this poem. The less I touch the body, the less I care. Love, so much has changed that I wish were the same. You and I were going to change the world with poems. Now, words seem much less important than work, than the boy, only 17, who shot himself. An accident, I guess, proving to his girlfriend that it wasn't loaded or some stupid shit. The girl was holding him near a closet, spilling clothes like they belonged inside his skin. We laid him down on his back, his body warm from freshly stalled blood. I was at his feet, held him by the heel of his sneakers, then arranged his legs. He was dead still, eyes open, staring through me, staring through the ceiling, through the stars, looking where he was heading. I suppose we all knew he was gone, no matter. We rarely just quit. Sometimes I wish we gave up more. The less I touch the body, the less I care. I ran down the stairs of this boy's house for a backboard, a sea collar, moved through the living room like a ghost past the couch where the mother, the toddler, and the girl sat waiting, their bodies fused by shock. For me, it's not like that. I'm not shocked. I'm not grieving, love. I envision ice stretching across the landscape of my rib cage. I bef- perform within the chill better. Once you witness this, fighting it is hopeless. Becoming ice becomes best practice. Will you recognize me now? I'm well versed at this ice, and that frightens me, my love. I understand too much the body and its potential for cold. Susie runs a website called spokenwordreview.com. You can find all sorts of slam poetry videos there and uh, write-ups about those. There's also a few write-about-now videos on Spoken Word Review, which is really cool. Susie will be featuring at Write About Now on April 8th, so I highly recommend you jump over to Avant Garden on that Wednesday night and see her feature. Okay, this is brand new. I'm totally gonna try it out on you. So um, uh, that means, I, yeah, that means I need you to be very responsive. Like every word, you know, you like moan or something. 
No, that's weird. That's awkward. Okay. The coffee between us. I read Marilyn Hacker poems on the front porch of the fire station and hold a hot mug of French press coffee. The traffic begins to pile up. It's 8 a.m. My crew sits in the station living room and watches Fox News. Same as the shift before. They debate gun control laws, afraid they will have to give up their AR-15s. Same as the shift before. They eat donuts and breakfast tacos, brew another pot of light brown Folgers. Same as the shift before. My driver comes outside and stands directly in front of me, asks me what I'm reading. A book. I reply as if he's never seen one. He probably hasn't. He shrugs, sits down next to me. He asks me what I'm going to do with a poetry degree. I turn toward him and feel my face set in stone. Be a firefighter, I reply. <laughs> then we both laugh harder than the comment is funny and sip from our mugs. I wrote this about my first love, and I wrote it a really long time ago. Um, but yeah, this, so this has nothing to do with firefighting, because I wrote it before as a firefighter, and that's why it's a little, okay. Freeway lanes carved my veins. Skyscrapers projected my bone structure. Coffee, the liquid that boils in me, spurts, sputters, that's what comes out of me. Yeah, I'm an urban baby more prone to jog in the streets, buy a mountain bike so I can jump curbs and pump past cars. At 16, I drove the freeways like a video game. The more cars I caught in my rear view, the higher score. I was taking curves at 50 with a time limit always somewhere too far to go. I'd wait till 4 a.m. to get gas, drive slowly, trying to make it last and run out on the freeway. Oh, the urban games I'd play, dodging intersections with cameras poised to steal the joy of adolescence. It only takes a camera to get a ticket, and I couldn't get to her house quick enough. I didn't know then that I was in love. My mom's car got great gas mileage and I was all smiles to drive 45 minutes daily just to see her. I could make it in 15 if I took the back pass and slammed on the gas at every intersection. Radio soothing Christian love songs that I could relate to because I was in love with the born again too. I didn't realize then that I was changing faith for someone knowing that our love would just be shunned. Urban babies bashful on the street, converse slapping concrete, but mostly driving. Stick shifts never stopped us from touching. Guilt always stopped us from touching. Maybe if I turn on the Christian station, she'll feel better. It was like that. Her touch would send me spinning through stop signs without looking, passing turn signs and exit signs, and oh, God. I... I mean, that feels good. I didn't mean to bring God into this. 
Let's just drive. I was an urban baby searching for spirituality behind seatbelts that bound me like the rules of love. You never know the opportunity until you worship openly. She was the preacher's daughter, the rebel without a mother, the leader, the holder of desire. And I was an urban kid slapped with the insecurities of city advertising, TV babysitters, and latchkey cradling responsibility too early. But I could take my mother's stick shift factory, play Nissan Sentra, and speed. Hit freeway after freeway, singing through song after song, road rage screaming and flipping people off. I wonder now why I made such a fuss over her. Sometimes I think I just needed a free way to merge onto a quick ride to anything. And she was at the end of the line, not just a pivot point, but a pot of comfort that a TV and a latchkey couldn't provide. A hand to hold for the first time. She stopped planets from spinning that first time. Can't wonder forever if the love is worth giving. Just cradle the comfortable and go on living. The vast desert skyline was for us to take in, smell each other's skin and stop ourselves from pleasure. We became urban babies together, driving for hours for better weather and company, searching for that side street that would block us from God's view so we could do things we didn't know how to. <laughs> So um, here's my plug. This is a book that I'm selling. It's called We Will Be Shelter. It's the anthology that was curated by Andrea Gibson and published by Right Bloody. Um, I have a poem in here, page 18. It's the best poem in the whole 30, 100 and something. I'm just kidding. That's a, that, there's some really incredible poets in here. Derek Brown, Elena Ellis, um, Sam Sachs. Uh, the list really just goes on and on. Um, there's, it's, let, let me, I want to be accurate about this. There's like 279 pages to this anthology. And what's really fantastic about it, um, there, the whole idea of this anthology is to support activist poets. So you write a poem that has some sort of activism in it, but on the other page, they had us all choose uh, a charity, a charity that represents the, the, action that we're talking about in the poem so that you can actually read something and if you're moved to do something you act upon that so instead of as poets we just sit around and talk about how we want to make the world a better place this gives you an opportunity to do so and it gives me an opportunity to do so because I can sell these to you and um, all the proceeds from this book whether you buy it from me now or you buy it on Amazon or from Right Bloody's uh, website all the proceeds go to the organizations that were that are in this book. If you buy one from me tonight, all the proceeds go to Girls Rock Austin. Um, and Girls Rock Girls Rock Camp is a really fantastic thing that uh, girls of all ages, I think it starts at like eight and goes up and uh, like they do a ladies rock camp where adult women um, join a band and they have uh, like a, a few days to learn how to play an instrument, write a song and do a performance. Whether you're eight or whether I'm, you're, 60. I swear to God, I saw a woman on, on the mic. They just did the girls, the ladies rock camp um, showcase. So they all performed the songs they practice. And the ladies camp is only over a weekend, but the girls, it's a whole week. Anyway, um, I saw a woman, a middle-aged woman. She must have been in her 50s, get behind a microphone and sing a song. And she had never heard her voice like that. She had never been behind a mic. She had never been amplified before she had never had an audience she had never had anyone listen to her and that's what girls rock camp does for eight-year-olds that's what the girls rock camp does for adult women as well so um if you buy a book from me um they're twenty dollars 
you get a lot of poems and it goes to charity. So that's what this is for. And I'm gonna read you the amazing poem that I wrote in it. Thanks for the one person that giggled. I think that's my wife that's up there. She's probably not laughing with me. She's laughing at me. That's okay. We just got married in October in our backyard. Of course, in Texas, it's almost legal. We're going to go make it legal over spring break in Florida. It's weird, weird that I'm going to Florida to get married, but that's okay. She just told me to read the poem. Okay. This is my last poem. It's called uh, Forgotten Fire. Um, please come see me at any time during the show. I'll sell books. I'll chat. I'll give you a card for spoken word review. And thank you all so much for having, seriously, my heart is so warm to, like, look at this. Look at this community. This is fantastic. And all the people that got up here for the first time tonight, that's awesome. Welcome. Okay. This is called Forgotten Fire. Stop. Nothing is gentle for me here. The fire's heat is brief, occasional. It's their eyes that burn the back of my neck. I was hired through the same requirements and I'll rise through the ranks with the same tests, yet somehow I'll have more. With every alarm, I prove my strength, prove my skill, prove my worth, my brow furrowed, clothes soaked with sweat, but all my moves are soon forgotten disappear like steam rising from my head with helmet removed. Surely, when they tell stories, they don't mean to forget me, but they do. In their truth, it must have been one of the guys that pulled that body from the car. Now who's the fool? That's it. <laughs> You can find Susie's work in the Right Bloody anthology, We Will Be Shelter. You can also find her on SpokenWordReview.com. You can find Right About Now as at Juan Poetry on Instagram and Twitter. You can also find us on YouTube and Facebook and Tumblr and all sorts of the good internet things. We're there. Just gotta look for us. Of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and hear great poetry every week. Reviews and comments are greatly appreciated. We love to hear back from everybody. And you can find me, Davis Land, on davisland.info on the internet.